Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Today is 9-11, so allow me just a one-minute rant. 9-11 is the anniversary of perhaps the most iconic, ironic vision of man-made disasters American style, when we can look back on going to war with the people of Afghanistan and Iraq, two countries that didn't bring down the Twin Towers in New York, while rewarding the oil barons of Saudi Arabia, the people who did. Of course, the grift has continued since then with efforts now focused on breaking our democracy in two. Economists note that half the American middle class has given up much of their hard-earned middle-class holdings to the oligarch class, what's been called the trickle-up economy. Meanwhile, some billionaires continue to radicalize and build a private army of angry volunteers armed with AR-15s and tons of ammo the poor saps have bought with their last few dollars. Social media and the NRA have them swearing to bring down democracy in favor of dictatorship. Dictatorship by the very billionaires who are robbing them blind. Today, CBS News reports that three, count them, three multi-billionaires now own more wealth than the bottom 90% of America, more than 291 million Americans. Destroying our middle-class democracy is how oligarchs become our dictators as well. Well, thanks. I needed that. Today's also the show closest to the 10th anniversary date of our first NDE radio presentation. So perhaps this is the right day for talking less about the short-term frustrations in our world and more about the long-term possibilities for spiritual growth. By knowing the truth, we may better integrate the light of love and the depths of peace together into our lives. I'm talking about a change in point of view today, now that I'm done ranting, because the doctor is in. The following conversation with Dr. Rod Chelberg was more like therapy for me rather than a plan for a show. But others of you out there may be troubled by humankind's bad behavior and, like me, want to fix the unconscionable. When I had my NDE at seven, I felt reassured I'd learned the meaning and importance of human love. While my body was deep in the lake, my spirit watched from above while my mother jumped in, found me, and invented CPR to start me breathing again. God's love was there as well, but clearly mom's love was in doing the right thing. But Dr. Rod, who himself has been saving lives all his life, understands the importance of peace as well as love because it opens more space for participation of the divine. The world would benefit from listening to what he has to say. When you talk about peace, because you talk a lot about these feelings of peace from your early NDE and on other occasions, I re-listened to our first interview. And I was wondering if peace is like a stand-in word for love or if the one implies the other. How do you relate peace to love? Well, they're almost synonymous. And in some ways, they are synonymous. It's just I get such a feeling of deep love when I'm peaceful. I'm able to experience that. It's like love grows out of peace for me. It's like the earth and the dirt. Mm. It's actually, for me, it's also like the vibration of the universe. When they talk about, I think it's 440 hertz. When I get into my deep meditations, you go through this feeling of deep love, but that passage, the peace that passes that passes all understanding. When you get to that state, there's a state of oneness, and it's just, it's all of that. It's just beautiful. Peace is the best word I can think of, um, but love works just as well. For whatever reason, peace just resonates in me. It's like it's even deeper than love. Yeah. Well, love, of course, it's the only word uh, does a multitude of things in, in the English language. 
you know, yeah. from sexual love to spiritual love and everything in between. But peace is peace. I think everyone understands what that means, although it can be just no more war, but even that has spiritual implications. How do you hear God? You get peaceful. You get quiet. You get peaceful. Then I, my mind has opened up. That monkey chatter is gone, and I I start to hear, I start to feel, then I start to feel the love coming through, and then the joy coming through, the oneness. But I have to get to a state of absolute silence. That's peace. Just stop thinking. <laughs> <laughs> How does mu music fit in? Do you ever use music as a way to meditate? Uh, no. I, when I played violin, I should say I punished the violin and those around me. <laughs> and when I sing, it's people tend to leave the room. Um, I do listen to music um, on occasion. Just I like uh, piano music. Um, that that allows me to free associate and, and just drift. I can't listen to somebody singing. That locks me in, and I'm trying to integrate that into my thinking. Um, Stephen Halpern has done a nice collection of spiritual music. I don't know if you've heard him, but um, he's on yeah. on Spotify. It, and he works with a lot of um, God frequencies in his music. And they, they're just, they float along. It's very easy to meditate with that. Very peaceful. I had a, uh, for a while, oh, six years, I guess, I had a show I did on Monday afternoons on WERU, which is our local community radio station. It was called Earth Tones, and yeah. it was a combination of Indian chant and New Age music. And I'd go back and forth from one to the other, and Indian being from India and also Indian Native American. It all seemed to work. My wife said it would put people, she was afraid it was going to put drivers to sleep and they'd go off the road because it was <laughs> so peace inducing. But uh, there were never any reported accidents on account of my show. That's good. Well, when you think about it, the human brain starts to become active at about two months of, of gestation. And one of the first things you hear is the mother's heartbeat boom, 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 mm. boom, boom. boom. So music is really primitive, and the right music harmonizes with your soul and your mind, and with frequencies they can add or subtract, but you, this brings you into a frequency of vibration where you, you can be so quiet. So I, I like music for that reason. That's the right kind. It, the Rolling Stones doesn't work. I like that for other reasons. <laughs> lifting weights but um quiet music is very nice uh, i do use that so and that that does activate very primitive parts of us that's really fascinating i find it interesting that alzheimer's patients can still remember even when they've forgotten the face of their husband or wife they can remember music and somehow if there's music playing it can restore other memories as well yeah in uh, Cedar Ridge in Skowhegan, I did the, the music and memory. I was, I was one of the first doctors to use this. And I had a catatonic um, woman with severe dementia and didn't move for a long time. Well, she was a, a singer in the church choir and loved Neil Diamond. So we, we put the Walkman earphones on and had Cracklin' Rose going. And all of a sudden... She, and she's moving her arms. Now, she hasn't moved for years. Wow. And then we thought, okay, we brought her to the fish tank in a wheelchair and brought her husband in. And she, we put the, the music on, and she started tracking the fish. She looked at her husband and smiled. Oh. And then we took the headphones off, and then she went back to this catatonic. Put the music back on. She woke up. Wow. It's amazing how how primitive that is. And so the happy memories, and then she recognized him. It was such joy. Just oh things things that we're learning are just wonderful. 
Do you suppose it's sadness that brings on dementia? I mean, if the music counteracts it and makes the person joyful, is there a sorrow that is the root cause of some of these diseases of the brain? I think I think sorrow comes later. It's a mechanical failure of everybody's brain shrinks as we get older when you look at CT scans. And you're starting to realize, I don't remember as well as I used to. And I had a big stroke. I lost my memory for uh, about a year and a half. Mm. People I knew that I worked with, I had no clue. It's very disconcerting. It's like, I, I know you, but I can't tell you your name. So there's lots of reasons for cellular death. There's toxins. There's... there's um, DNA changes, there's abnormal proteins, there's there's lots of reasons. And as you start to disconnect, that realizes you're getting trapped and locked in into a prison. That would be at some point, that's hard. I was able to have that prison door open, but it's when you're starting to disconnect, it's 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 sad. Mm. I've treated patients that um they're starting to get dementia, and they know it. So I put them on uh, Aricept, which is for dementia, and they remember everything clearly. And the hard thing is it's only going to work for a year to a year and a half, and then right back down. The disease process is just being progressive. So that's sad. It's like yes. the lights are on. Now we know it's going to go off again. and And so... So then, but then at some point they get so disconnected that it's gone. They have no emotions. So it's, a, it's to me, it's a transition that they go through. What do you suppose the soul's role plays in that? I mean, that's a brain dysfunction, but where does the soul come in in terms of memory and animation? It's, well, first, when I ever hear this question, I always like to say, are you talking about spirit or soul? Because... Mm -hmm. I hear, well, he was a good soul, and he was a bad soul, and he was a, you know. I mean, the spiritual component within us and around us. Well, I think of the spirit as the driver of a car, and the spirit's immortal. Uh, it's love. It's divine love. And the, the body is just going to fail, and the spirit just sort of can can disconnect, if you will. It's not affected by this at all. Um, if, if in my deepest meditations, when I have disconnected from my body, there's a silver cord that connects my consciousness to my body that I have found, and I, I try to break that. It's like, I'm good. I really like this. I don't want to go back. <laughs> and uh, I can't break it because it's not my time yet. Yeah. Oh, so, I, I don't think that that the spirit's affected at all. It's eternal. It's life eternal. It's it's health eternal. Pure energy, pure love. So But but you believe that uh with um spiritual input we can heal ourselves to some extent. Yes. Because you've but said that. that. Uh, I I'm wondering um how does that uh how does that happen? Well it's a conscious decision to allow the divine that's in your heart, out. A lot of people say, I have to go to church, I have to go to the doctor. God's outside of me. Happiness is outside of me. Love. And that's partially true, but what you really want to do is connect with, with what's inside your heart. Your God is in everything. Everything around you is God. You want to release... Um, Robert Browning, English, American poet, <laughs> I think, um, said you have imprisoned splendor within you and you want to release that, bring it out. So in healing, you have to say, I am not a physical body, I'm a spiritual body. And that being said, where's that spirit? It's in my heart. And I like to say, God, with every heartbeat, is knocking at your door of your consciousness saying, wake up, let me out, let me create with you. So I, I had 
I had three cancers and colon cancer, testicular, and um, renal. In all of those, it's I chose not to believe what the doctors were saying, which is also saying I'm not really a body, and I'm going to connect with the divine within me. It's a conscious choice that, that I've made. And I say, okay, I'm going to let this divine love out and heal me. Hmm. And the body, once the mind has changed from ego human thinking to God thinking, what are the thoughts of God? Their love, peace, joy, and health, that's your true self. And you realign your body, human thinking, set that ego thinking down, and this light comes out, and, and that's harmony. So as you change your mind, your body has to follow. Your, your body's a creation of your mind. If you want to look at it from a spiritual point of view, which I like to do, um, then you can say, yeah, I can heal that. And Christ could really do it because I still have doubt. <laughs> I still have connections like, no, nah, I don't think I can raise the dead. But when you transcend all thoughts of limitation that you're this body, you you can you can move mountains. It's 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 amazing the the power that comes through. Well, you've had so much evidence from your own practice and having. Christ yeah. as a partner in healing. Yeah. And in fact, you mentioned at least once raising the dead and telling a soul to get back into the body and reanimating. For someone who has less hands-on experience with God's love than you do, how do you advise them to open up to it? Well, for me, there's three steps that are important. First, I think learning to unlearn the reality of this world. So some of the, like I read A Course in Miracles, there's Eckhart Tolle, Marianne Williamson, Mari Perone wrote A Course of Love. You need to unlearn your human concepts that you are separate from each other, and therefore you're separate from God, and say you and I are one from a spiritual point of view, but our physical senses are telling us we have two bodies. And they're lying to me. <laughs> so I need to unlearn that that thinking. The second thing is learning to meditate. And by that, I mean somehow quiet your mind from all the chatter of, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, and judgment and guilt, and just push all that away. And you can sit in a chair and do that, or listen to music, or kayak on the ocean, walk in nature. There's, however you quiet your mind, you create room for God with a pause of just, I need to be quiet. And I mean really quiet. Then God can talk to you. God comes to a quiet mind. He talks to us all day long. We just don't listen. We're so wrapped up in the body and I need to eat and I need to pay my bills. And do I look good and all that? <laughs> <laughs> and then the third thing is I like to say, be mindful and practice peace, practice love, practice Christ consciousness all day long. So a metronome is a good example. Right, wrong, up, down, happy, sad. It's always swinging that pendulum back and forth. And you want to say centered right there in Christ consciousness. And this is also called now. Right now, you and I are communicating I'm not thinking about the past or the future. I'm not letting the past become my future. I'm thinking, I'm talking to myself, my brother, and I can see it, the, the Christ in you through your eyes. And, and I can feel you. And this is, moment is right now. So I need to, in order to, to, to find Christ consciousness, I need to study, to unlearn, what the humanity has taught me. I need meditation and then all day long practice. And it's a practice, practice. <laughs> so that's that how sounds, it works. Sounds like a Buddhist teaching almost. You know, truth is truth. And, you know, you're right. We're not taught this in the United States. I grew up Catholic. I had to go to church and pray to, to an entity called God 
hope he was in a good mood and then find out, oh, I sinned. I said a bad word mm-hmm. and I'm going, it's fearful. Am I going to hell or, you know, um, and God's not like that. When you say you are, in fact, Christ consciousness expressing yourself as a Lee, I am, in fact, rod consciousness expressed. I am Christ consciousness expressing myself as a rod. Right. God wants to create with you and says, I'm going to give you these talents. Let's let's joyfully go play, you know, and cast your, your worries on me. I'll take care of you. I'm your support. I'm your supply. Oh, <clears throat> you are the heir to the riches of the kingdom of heaven. It's a nice way to live. It's, it's just say, I'm I'm divinely protected. There's nothing to worry about. Except when you go for a walk in nature and you think about what we're doing collectively to nature, mm-hmm. it disturbs that peace considerably. At least it does for me. I So many things are upsetting and depressing. It's hard to just say we're all spiritual beings and remove ourselves from something that is so splendid as this creation, so beautiful and so intricate, and know that we are doing our best to just waste it right. and ruin it. Right. But even in the destruction, there's God. Yeah. Victor Frankl would eat the head of a fish and see beauty in it when he was in the concentration camp. When you practice learning to let go and be the observer, no matter this house could burn down, it's like, it's okay. This world is going through a tumultuous change, and I'm not going to buy into that movie, the appearance of it. I'm going to instead buy into this is love transforming God's holy fire, transforming our humanity so that we can go to a higher level. It's like the redwood trees. Um, they go, these fires in California, and um, the seeds can only germinate under intense heat. So, see, you know, the CNN loves to show you the fires and everything's burning. Go back two weeks later, and you see nothing but flowers everywhere. Hmm. It's new growth. So the old timbers have fallen down and are now becoming food for the new growth. But that doesn't sell papers. No. So my job is to be the light and, and to look at the Ukraine and Russia, look at the this, what's going on in Florida, and look at these gunmen shooting people. And they're all, to me, cries for love. And they need a light to help them to see. And so I'm going to bless all of this, and I'm going to let the worry, the how of it, let God take care of it. That's not my job. My job I, is to control. I can take care of Rod, and I, I can look at all of this, but I can look at everything with compassion and love and know that life is just going through a change. It's it, it's going to be Okay. I love in Maine driving down the road, and I'm sure you've seen this. There's nothing but these big slabs of granite, and then the, the highway's cut. And you look <laughs> at the granite, and what do you see but a pine tree growing out of the side of the yes. rock? <laughs> How is that possible? I know. And even in the desert, when I go out to Arizona, yeah. there'll be this just wasteland and, and little things coming up, thriving so, despite it. Exactly. So if you look beyond the appearance and say, you cannot stop life. It it may appear to be changing. That so I'm sure the dinosaurs had these same conversations, you, you know. But it's just going. To, life is going to continue to be here and continue to evolve. How then do you understand evil? Is it just a tool for transformation? I mean, is evil a tool of love, or how would you see it? It's part of duality that we think we're separate from God and we've created a good and a bad, an evil person. And everybody gets a choice on what they want to learn. And and a lot of people, um, for me, when I think about the ego, the the foundations of the ego are um, 
vulnerability, lack, and self-worth. And we all have that in us to some degree. And and then we create lives to express those. Some people really create um, life to what we consider an evil degree. And, and I, I look at it as like, well, if everything's God, even that's God. These are the tools that this person has chosen to learn. Uh, they think they're separate from God and they need to be punished. They're unworthy. So they, rather than take that on themselves, they project that onto the world. And what they're really saying is, is I want to go home. I want to remember my light. So here's something I'll show you. That's that's who you are. That's your that's your Christ light. And you, you you get a choice of putting a lampshade on and saying, This is me. Okay. Everybody says, Oh, what a nice guy. And here's another person, just a different color. And they say, Oh, he's really evil and bad. We pass judgment on it. And he's done horrible things. Now, from a human point of view, I'm gonna stop this guy from hurting people. I'm not a bliss ninny, but I'm not going to condemn him and say, you know, he's like Dante says, you got to go to hell for what you did. It's like, no, he's saying, help me lift this light shade off so that I can go back to light. So I look at evil as, okay, this guy has got a, a dim light. And he thinks he's unworthy of God's love, and he's expressing that evil, that expression, as evilness to the world. I'm going to stop him from hurting people or hurting me. I, I, I won't tolerate that because it extends darkness and fear. And that's not God. God says, extend love and peace. So in the Bible, it says, forgive your brother. Okay. Forgive yourself, love your brothers, you'd love yourself. That means you're loving me. <clears throat> so that's a very high spiritual point to say, huh, I gotta love this guy, but I don't have to accept his behavior. So I want to help him take the lampshades off and be free. Hmm. So my job as a, as a light worker is to say, okay. I, I look at Putin and say, you need love. So that's what I'm going to give you. But you cross that line. Um, there's going to humanly, there's going to be, you know, we got to stop that. Right. I mean, the Ukrainians love is not going to stop Putin from invading. the. No, no, I'm practical. <laughs> In my last show, I was interestingly talking about narcissism with someone who'd grown up in a narcissistic family and his feeling was that a profoundly narcissistic person you'll never get that dark lampshade off of them that they are so caught up in that self aggrandizement that they can't see the light that's within them i don't agree with that i agree that we are all going home you know like you and i let's say we want to go to la some people are getting there by a jet. <clears throat> Some people are getting on a ship and going around South America. Some people are hitchhiking, <laughs> a bicycle. We're all going to go home. The whole sunship is going to reunite with God. <clears throat> Excuse me, nobody's left behind. You're free to choose which path you want. You're free to take a jet, which is what I would do, but you could also walk. So this man that has the narcissistic personality, he's going to keep reinventing that. But I think that each time he goes from 25 watt light bulb to 26 to 27 to 28, he'll eventually get to 100. <laughs> but it might take a lot of lifetimes to do that. But there is no time to God. God says, you haven't sinned. You, you just you just have a dream that you're separate from me, but you're really not. So I'm going to let you dream. Do you believe we have uh, uh, reincarnation possibilities to uh, keep brightening the bulb? 
I do. Um, I I can remember several lifetimes, and a lot of times of being burned at the stake, <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking like this. Uh, <laughs> well, the American Medical Association has a modern version of that, I'm sure, for doctors who uh, deviate yeah. from the norm. That's right. Yeah, we take <laughs> put you in a straitjacket and say goodbye. <laughs> yeah. You said in our last interview that. I guess when you were growing up and you'd had all sorts of wonderful experiences of out of body travel and so forth, mm -hmm. that at one point you heard a dark, evil, cold voice say, I want you. Yeah. What was that that spoke to you, do you suppose? It's just dark energy. It's they're out there. I've had uh well in the past couple of years, three three different encounters with it's a cold, um did you ever see the movie Harry the Harry Potter series? Yes. And the, the Death Eaters? Yes. That's a Death Eater. It's an energy vampire that wants to come to you. And it's a very dark spirit, a person with a very dark lampshade that's coming to you and just says, Oh, you're you're such a kind, open person. Your aura is really bright. And I want that energy. And then you start to go, I, I don't feel good. I start to feel sick and depressed. Hmm. So for me, when that came, it, it it really creeped me out. I said, no, I'm good. I'm done. I'm done with this meditation. But later as an adult, after understanding it, these things are still out there. And now I ask Archangel Michael to help me or Christ consciousness or I have a sphere of love. And so when these these entities come, no different than someone pulling a gun on you in the street. That's their thing. Well, they're in the spirit world, too. And you just say, uh-uh, you can't hurt me. I'm divinely protected. And, and I ask for divine help. So now they stay away. But if everything is made of love, why are they even there? Is that just duality or is that uh, duality. something more? Yeah, it's they're not 100% Christ consciousness. Their body's dead, but their consciousness is still growing. Remember I, I said this is 25, 26, 27? Mm -hmm. So a very dark energy. It's still dark energy. I've had people die. They were very angry at their death. And I bring in the Christ light and said, Christ is right here. He'll forgive and, and, and take you home. And I've watched, I've watched people just cross their arms and go, "Nope, I'm not ready." Mm. And and then Christ says, "I'll take care of them. You've done a good job." We all have free choice, even in the spirit. And you can still say, "Oh, am I truly home, or am I in a transition phase?" And I I don't know what else to call it but I call it the astral plane or the etheric realm or whatever. And, and people are stuck there. It, it's like um, going to college. You're starting kindergarten. And with each, each year you learn more and more and more till ultimately you graduate from college. And that is I and my father are one. I've returned home. I'm the prodigal son. Oh yes. That has come home. It just takes some people a lot longer. That's all. And they think they have to feed off of you, just like somebody trying to rob you. If, I think I need to put a gun to you and take all your money. Well, I'd call that evil, <laughs> you see. But there's still a light inside that that's Christ consciousness. Eventually, the person will keep com coming back and saying, I don't need to do this anymore. My light's now a 50-watt light bulb. I see farther. Now I'm 75 watts. I see even farther. And the darkness, the illusion of darkness is gone. Till eventually I'm back to 100% Christ consciousness. So we're all just slowly lighting up. And it's like, okay, I can look at the appearance of the movie and react to it. Or I can choose peace. And, and be light and help that person, help my brother. And I do that with forgiveness, compassion, and love. So in 
Dante's terms, we'll say. You don't think there is a hell, but there is a purgatory. Well, Dante needs psychiatric medicines. He said there's nine levels to hell. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a purgatory. I call living here hell. You know, because we start off believing we're separate from God, that's hell. In your deepest meditations, when you reconnect with the divine and feel that love, that you are just one in love, and that's all you want. Anything else is like not fun. And coming here, this to me is hell. You know, you're sitting here and all of a sudden a Russian tank comes through your house. That destroys your life. You know, your family is shot. Does it get worse than that? I I just don't, I can't, everything that you value is taken away. How does it get worse than that? In one of the recent New Yorkers, there was a poem about, that had a phrase, something to the effect that when we're in the womb, an angel comes and takes away our memories of our previous life. Mm-hmm. But I have had, um, I've done some shows where little kids, two, three years old, will have memories of past life experiences and say to their mother, do you remember when I was your mother and you were my child? Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. Very common yeah. expressions like that. So we maybe we don't come into the world completely separate from God, but we soon forget him as we grow up and get into this culture. I call that the terrible twos. <laughs> that transition? <laughs> yeah, because babies are so sweet and innocent. And they, gen- they just usually just generate a lot of love. And all of a sudden, they become little monsters. And it's like, <laughs> why is that? It's, it's because their spirit's being covered up with, with what you should do. And you're a naughty little boy, and you got to get spanked. And mm. now we got to go to church. And you see, we're being pulled from internal to external, that rip, that, separ- that separation. You know, you, you're, you're divinely one, and now there's that separation. And how far is that separation? You know, the farther it gets, the more forgiveness you need, the more love you need. So that the farther you get from, from light, what happens? There's more and more darkness. And we call that darkness evil. Hmm. And we call that light uh, Christ-like. It's duality. And at some point, you, you got to stop and say, I'm tired of eating with these pigs. <laughs> I want to stand up, turn around, go home. Enough like the prodigal son. Exactly. He said, even my father's servants live a better life than I'm living here. That's right. And I think in terms of, of reincarnation, I, th- I think of it as sloppy work. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. I have memories of lifetimes. And as you meditate, they're not always completely erased. And I look at some of these children that are opera singers at age five, and they're perfect. Yes. How is that possible? I can't. I don't know. I do not know. It's amazing. Well, I think. Or, or play the piano. I mean, or some I, a incredible skill that you think this is a reincarnation of Mozart. It is. It, and that's the way I think of it. It's like that's. That entity chose, loved the music, and played, and then we call that Mozart. Now he's in this generation. He's playing violin. He's enjoying the dream so much. He just keeps recreating it. Mm -hmm. We're going, how can they sing that well? How can they play that well? Well, they're just having fun going. It's it's like um, you're in bed Saturday morning. You really don't have to get up, right? But you forgot to change the alarm. The alarm goes off at five o'clock. And you go, oh, what do you do? You hit the alarm button. Just five more minutes. Well, that's another lifetime. Oh, this is such a good dream. Boom, five more minutes. You see, it's just there's enjoying the dream. Um, and God's very patient. He says, but eventually you're going to say, yeah, I think I want to get up and play with God now. I want to remember that I and my father are one. That's real music. 
yeah. you know, dance, dancing with the divine. That's beautiful. So, well, as some people seem to bring gifts along with them. Well, if you get on the internet, for example, and Google this, you'll find lots of people say Trump is the reincarnation of Mussolini. So if you were a narcissist, for example, in one life, would you possibly bring your narcissism along with you to the next lifetime? I would say yes, that unless you make a decision or somebody helps you, or you listen to the to the divine calling within, and you have a spontaneous awakening, a holy instant, you, that's what you were trained in. That's what, to me, is what you just keep working on. Like you failed second grade, you got to do it again. <laughs> so you need help. And we have angel guides helping us. We have people helping us. Um, I have seen people who are not very nice people um, have strokes or get dementia and their whole personality changes to one of being peaceful and kind and nice. That is amazing. Mm. And it's like, I call that a spontaneous awakening. So the stroke was a stroke of good luck. <laughs> but we all have free choice. And what do you want to do with that? So, Do you, do you suppose the stroke by eliminating or uh, taking away memories, sad or bad memories, would, yeah. would bring that peace? You said you experienced a memory loss from your stroke. Right. And... What happens is the person wakes up first. They hear the voice of God in spirit and go, oh, I need to change. And the physical world's going to change. And we say, oh, he had a stroke. But he's become such a nice person. But what really happened is he opened up his mind to say, I don't have to be separate from God anymore. My father and I are one. Boom. That separation's ended. It manifests as a stroke, but look deeper and say, he's become nice. He's he's connected. He's expressing his divine self. That to me is a good thing. Yeah. I feel like I've been hogging this conversation because I keep asking you questions and you were the one that suggested, I think that we talk about how NDEs could contribute to what? I didn't know exactly what you had in mind well i had this this near death experience and um and i'm i'm starting to research it a little bit and uh there's all this controversy uh, even alexander they said well that was just the meningitis and that was drugs and but you know again it's that story of we're going to la it doesn't matter how we get there right it's yeah. And, and those people that are um, stuck in the human world, we're called scientists. I want proof. I want to duplicate it. And you, and you can't. Versus someone who is spiritual it says, I've already been there. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. So I'm curious. In my deepest meditations, when I, when I get these uh, divine connections of being that oneness, People that have near-death experience, it, it sounds like once they get through shutting down the ego mind and shutting down the body, however they do that, it's either uh, an accident um, or drugs or illness, however, you see, then it seems like there's a common thread of going down a tunnel. And then at the end, there's this brilliant light. And they go into that light. And they don't know what to do with it. So I'm just wondering if, if that's a common thread that you've seen in your all the years you've done this. It is. It's not true for everyone, for sure. And there are different visions of what that tunnel is, how long it lasts, where it goes, whether it's dark or whether it's light, whether it, their life review is on the walls of that tunnel or if there are angels and they're the light of angels lighting the tunnel. I think it was Hieronymus Bosch has a painting of the tunnel with angels taking naked bodies through it that mm -hmm. uh, goes back to the Middle Ages. 
it's yeah, a, it's, I remember that. I remember that piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful painting. So I think NDEs, I absolutely believe they're real. I believe they're gifts from God. I believe God is showering the world with NDEs every day. They're probably more than a thousand or two thousand going on right, you know, today. And if everyone would talk about them, what they've seen, we could change the world because suddenly people would have to admit that there is a a life after this and that it's all built out of love, that we have to begin to reorient our values to that. Right. But so many people are in awe of their experience that they put off. I certainly did for years talking about it. Well, for me, I didn't know what it was. I was in second grade. Yeah, I was seven, I was seven years old when I drowned. Yeah, so I just like I just had a dream, one heck of a dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, I drowned and I was out of my body watching as my mother dove into the lake and found me and pulled me. I saw I saw the whole process of what was going on there, and other things happened too. But what it did for me immediately was reaffirm that I was loved by both God and my mother in profound ways that really reassured me because I, when my father had come home from the war, everything changed. When my sisters were born, everything changed. I felt like I was sort of being excluded from that love that my mother had given solely to me as the eldest child when my dad was, you know, in World War II. So this it was complete confirmation that God and my mother and I were fine. <laughs> so... That's that's that holy instant of oneness where you get that absolute conviction. Nobody can take that from you. Yeah. It, it just, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then I think for both of us, it allows us to step back and look at the world a little bit differently than what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And And I can say, you know, I can look at how Hitler was raised and how he became who he was, he wanted to be an artist. And imagine if he turned into an artist instead of what he did. Yes. And imagine if he said the only time he felt love in his entire life was from his two dogs. You imagine. Mm. That's pretty empty. So it just it just for him, it's like we we forgive and let that go. I don't put more hatred on him. That's a big asking. But Christ said that. Forgive and be at peace. I can enter then and I, my love can heal anything. So under that, going back to what we were talking about earlier, being at peace, enough peace disconnect that that i can allow that love to flow and maybe it's for some people's love first and then peace but just for me it's i go through that even deeper that that um that that bible passage the peace that passes all understanding has always just stuck in my mind is that is like the foundation cornerstone that's it's the way it is so but yeah, what I find is that in my meditation process, I did that astral travel. I went through the universe and then beyond the galaxy, and I came to the edge of the separated mind where I saw this this deep waterfall and chasm. That was the tunnel. And, and so the, these near-death experiences, they start off drowning. That shuts your mind and your body off. Mm-hmm. But the divine is is kicking in to help you say wait a second you're you know it's like you're asking for help and you're you feel god instead of death and that's what brings you back is is you went and saw uh that out of body out of body experience everything and then you made a choice i want to go back and, and God says, thank you, because you've opened yourself up to more experiences of a divine nature. Therefore, you become a light to the world. And, and you look at your life and say, well, what have I done? You've done great things. 
you see. So bit by bit, we all start to heal the sonship. And we lift. I see all this crazy insanity around me, and I just say, no, I'm not going to buy into that, quote, evil and destruction. I'm going to look at, at the love that's underneath. I'm going to look to the Christ light underneath and pull that out. And so we're like butterflies in a chrysalis and, and the chrysalis is cracking and we're like, oh my God, the world's ending, the world's <laughs> ending. And ooh, look at these wings. This is nice. I can fly. <laughs> so I, I look beyond. <laughs> I get off subject a little bit. Sorry about that. No, no, that's, I mean, you're on subject. It's so hard to see God's love coming through evil just because it's transformation. You know, yeah. you look at, you look at the, the pain and the people are suffering and the heartache. It's like a soap opera. In fact, it is a soap opera. It's a living soap opera. We, my grandmother used to love soap operas. She would listen to on the radio while she was scrubbing the floor in her kitchen and I'd be there watching. But it is a trap. It's a real limitation on, on your imagination and recognition of love. It is. When I go through a, a real difficult one, I always ask my brother Christ to help guide me. I go, this one's too big for me. <laughs> you know, help me with it. Take, take this cross off of me and carry it. So I find that learning to step back and just create that pause that we talked about earlier and let God walk before me. I used to do this uh, in the ER where somebody would die and I'd have to go talk to the family. That's not a fun job. Say, I got to tell them that their loved one has just died. And um, so I would stand at the door, put my hand on the knob and I would say, um, brother, go before me. And I'd always get, wait, it would be about three seconds. And he'd say, okay, now it's good to go in. Yeah, I would do that in court where I had to go in and testify. and That's not fun either. And, and so I invite the divine to go before me. And I think that's a nice uh, tool that we should all use in these difficult situations because it's I get stuck in the humanity of it, the horror of it. And it's like, no, I'm on tilt. <laughs> My circuit breakers are blown. So <laughs> God, can, Christ can help with that, or Buddha, or whatever you want to call it. But ask love to go before you, and then peace. Walking into the into the room, everybody's calmed down. Going to the courtroom, everybody's calmed down. It's the most amazing thing. Yeah, and there's I, easy dialogue as a hospital chaplain at Eastern Maine, I used to do something like that. And it does work. It's really amazing. It's like God precedes you and brings a gentleness to things that would otherwise possibly be horrendous to deal yes. with. I mean, that's where so many doctors and nurses just burn out on their jobs because it's just one disaster after another. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to do it all on their own. Exactly. And that that is, I think, the biggest mistake in all of life is we try to do everything on our own. It's invite God into where's my wallet or I need help financially this month. Yeah. I need yeah. to learn to rest, relax and be at peace and let God take, let God take care of it. You know, God is my source, not, not my bank account or my investments. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But we get mixed up. We say, well, God's in the church and say, no, God's in my heart. So we have to learn to trust and have faith. Okay, that means I got to put that control down. You see, and so it's life is so much easier asking for help and guidance. So little things to big things is this lady coded in the surgical center. And um, I was asked to help the code. These two code teams worked on her and they couldn't revive her. She was dying. So I walked in and my first thought was I just stopped for a second and said, what do I do? God help me. And immediately 
because I stopped and I paused, I created that space for God and asked for help. He told me she's got this medical condition and this medical condition. They treated her with the wrong meds. So out of the blue, I just I just used completely different meds. Everybody's looking at me like, what is with you? And within 15 seconds, her heart rhythm changed. Another 15 seconds, she woke up. And she started moving and started talking. And it was the divine telling me the other doctors made a mistake. And they treated her appropriately, but she was playing possum and had a different illness. So my point is, always ask everything. Should I, should I get in the car and drive today? Nah, not a good idea. You know, there's a big accident on the freeway. Oh, it's, you know, you ever get that with your cell phone? It says, take a right here, get off. Why? The road's fine. No. Three miles down, you see a horrendous big accident. You'd be stuck for hours. God's like that. Just, I'm right here. Just ask. It's a nice way to live. Of course, you had the advantage, too, of being a doctor. As a chaplain and formerly an EMT, one example sticks in my mind where someone coded in the ER and the doctors, everyone was doing CPR like crazy. And I just knew this person was bleeding out internally. And with every chest compression, I mean, they were just destroying the person. But I was a chaplain. You know, what did I know yeah. as far as they were concerned? So at least as a doctor, you could say, wait a minute. And, yeah. and they would listen to you. <laughs> they still thought I was crazy. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, those what comes after the name, they put a lot of weight on it. And I use it for good. And you can say that. If the doctors were willing to listen to all possibilities and they could hear that, but we get so wrapped up in the the excitement of the code and the adrenaline rush and all of that, very few doctors that I've worked with get this kind of intuition. They just go right down the, here's the textbook pathway and we're not going to, there's no room to talk to them. Yeah. And you go, okay. So, what you do instead is I'm going to bless this person and I'm going to bless the doctors and just let it all work out. It's not my job. My job is to be light and, you know, that's your job. So the next time the doctors are going to go, hmm, that last code didn't go so well. I wonder why. And they do an exam and they find out he had an internal bleed. He needed blood, not CPR. You see, and then they'll, they'll say, Lee, why were you so quiet? <laughs> what was going on in your mind? I could see you were thinking. You see, oh, the- I was I was thinking and I was, but I had no clout. <laughs> well, that's one of the problems of the medical profession is I'm right and you're wrong. And it takes a really strong person to say in the middle of a code, okay, everybody, Am I missing something? Hmm. How many doctors say that? You know, it's not the way we're taught. And so my hope is that we'll be more open-minded in the future and and listen to say, you know, maybe, Doc, they've got this going on. So that's my hope for medicine. My hope is that the uh, pharmaceutical salesman go away <laughs> and not sell all these semi-worthless drugs that they push. Well, anyway. they're just some, doing of, their, some of them are fine, but yeah, they're, they're just doing their job. Anyway, <laughs> this has well, been fun. It has been. It's been wonderful. Great talking with you. And yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have to do it again. Yeah. You're a kindred spirit. I, I can be open and be free in my telling you this stuff. So that, that helps me a great deal to have a brother to talk with. Well, let me know anytime you've got an hour and we'll do it again. My thanks to Dr. Rod Shelberg for offering his wisdom, insight, and spiritual gifts to us. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to listen to our two previous programs with Dr. Rod. You'll find them on our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, 
Look for the program dates February 13th and February 20th of 2023. And check out his website, Dr. Rod Shelberg. It's D-R-R-O-D-C-H-E-L-B-E-R-G.com. And his book, When God Calls, Say Yes, available on Amazon. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE radio Facebook page. Just search NDE radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.